0: Hello, and welcome to the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here over the phone with Magnus Blumdell, the director of the amazing documentary Revisiting Melancholy Durangle. How are you doing this evening, man?
1: I'm fine, thanks. How are you doing? Pretty
0: good. I appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk with me today. Um...
1: Oh, no No worries. <laughs>
0: One of my first questions is, what is it that got you interested in filmmaking? Was there a particular film that you saw growing up that uh, inspired you? What what motivated you to go in that direction?
1: Well, as for many, I guess, it uh, started when I was like 13, 14, 15, something like that, with uh, mostly American slashers, I guess. Um, after that, Italian giallos and so on and so on. So somewhere Back then, I I knew I wanted to make to make movies or to, in some way dealing deal with movies in ways. So it was the usual stuff, you know, kids making movies with a lot of special effects and and uh, yeah, all your friends. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's kind of where
1: we all we all start. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, Before I get into uh, revisiting Melancholy Durangle, I wanted to talk a little bit about your work with Renee Weisner. As you know, my label, Vile Video Productions, did the U.S. release for his Pulp Films collection, and you actually collaborated with him on that project. Uh, You guys did two different edits of the footage that he shot for Adio Yumo, and I was just wondering how you guys got involved with each other and what had you guys go into the decision of doing two different edits with that footage.
1: Well, I think it all started when when afterwards I'd made my documentary. Uh he reached out to me because uh, he, he ran a small uh, production company back then, I think it's sc- Uprise pictures, I think. Uh with another guy and um they helped me out with uh, some things and after that he asked me if I'd like to if I wanted to edit his, his uh I think his his first short, I think so uh so he um yeah i said, I said yes and he sent me this this file well basically um a bunch of long takes from this uh uh, uh museum thailand museum um, of death i guess uh so a lot of uh, decaying bodies and corpses everywhere and um yeah that's the beginning of it Um, uh, and i you know i i made my version of it um i tried to to uh i don't know make it a bit more sexy or hot or something (laughs) to make it my own my own version of it because uh i wanted to to um uh, well the i wanted to make it into something more than it was um when renee watched it i i think he he had expected something else um so he made his own version uh after a while i guess he he um uh, he got maybe got used to my version um as well as his his, his own so uh, it was him he it was he made up the plan to um to make them um go together um uh, in the upcoming releases i think
0: well it's it's definitely like <clears throat> interesting they both have completely different um atmospheres when you're watching them a completely different experience and I enjoy your cut and his cut, and I think they kind of complement each other when you sit and watch them back to back so i mm-hmm. think I think it kind of turned out really cool what you guys ended up doing so
1: yeah I think it's a fun idea, definitely, yeah.
0: Um, so in addition to you being a filmmaker, uh, it's my understanding that you're also an author with your two books, True Horror and True Horror 2, and that it was actually you trying to get an interview with Dora for True Horror 2 that got you in contact with him. Um, and I was just wondering if you could tell us about the books that you, you've made and also the, the process of trying to get in contact with Dora, because I know he's a pretty elusive person.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's, you know, it might be some some kind of jealousy behind it all you know i want to be a a big director a big writer uh so i kind of i meet my idols and i i write about them or interview them um so um when i wrote my first book uh, i wanted to meet uh marian dora back then as well but um i couldn't uh, get in contact with them. Um, it was back then it was basically impossible. This was about 10 years ago. Um, so when I wrote my second book, uh, kind of the same as the first book filled with uh, interviews with different uh, movie di- directors. Um, and then I tried again. So I sent up emails to, uh, to a lot of people that I knew had worked with them. You know different festival directors uh, uh journalists uh writers um actors um and a while after that maybe a month after afterwards um, i received an an email from uh, miss dora mm-hmm. himself uh, uh, where he basically just asked me what do you want and uh, from there on we uh, we emailed each other back and forth and, uh, uh, it all ended up with me, uh, going to German and, um, and, um, I talked to him for, for a few hours. That's the, the first meeting.
0: That's, that's awesome. I mean, <clears throat> he's definitely a hard person to hunt down. Um, so how did you make the transition from your interview with, um, true, true horror too, to getting to a point where he'd be interested in doing a documentary with you?
1: Well, um, he's a, he's a really, when you meet him, he's, um, um, especially if you're, if you're into movies yourself, it's, it's really interesting to, to, to talk to him because he has a lot of knowledge and he's, he's a movie collector as well as me. Um, so, um, as well as you, you can tell that there is, Always more to the stories than what you, what it's telling you for the first time, so uh, when I came home to Sweden and listened to the materials uh, I wrote my piece for my my book um, and at the same time, I knew that uh, i I could see that there were so many questions that weren't answered um, and that's when I started to to um, think about making a movie of him. um and especially uh about that movie um i think his his um, best movie yet uh, uh, melancholy derrangle um so i actually I, I, I never planned for him to say yes uh, to the idea but um um he did and i went down again um uh few regrets maybe afterwards because I would have if I would have done it again I would have planned it a bit more but um I think that might be part of the charm as well to the to the film
0: yeah definitely I mean the structure of the documentary is is very different than um what you like would typically see in a documentary but I think that Mm -hmm. it really complements it because it's it feels a lot more intimate it's just two people Um, spending time together and, and talking about an experience. And so it really stands out from what you typically see. But what I wanted to ask was um, when you began to shoot that documentary, Dora had already completed several other films like Voyage to Agatiss, Debris Documentar, maybe, maybe even Carcinoma. So why did you decide to do a film specifically on Melancholy Durango? Was it a concept that you thought up specifically, or was it something that you and Dora collaborated
1: on no um uh, I mean well uh, uh, mainly basically because that's his most notorious film I guess, mm-hmm. and that's the uh one of his films that um that has made a mark on me um uh, and as well as the you know the the stories surrounding the the shooting and everything like that um uh I wanted to, uh, you, you know, that you have the catch and everything like that, so so uh, I wanted to, to ask him these questions and uh, uh, to see the places as well, I guess. Because um, I mean, today there aren't that many movies that can make uh, such a mark um, on me uh, as that movie or his movies. Um, uh, so I, I guess I wanted to... to um, explore what made me feel that way and uh, also make a movie for, for, for fans of his film.
0: I th- I mean, I think that what you did was a really um, interesting take because I do agree. I think that that's his, probably his most well-known film. And I think people will eat up any information that they can get about yeah. it. Um, So I think it, I think you did make a good decision, good decision to do that. Um, you talk about in the documentary that you and Dora spent four days traveling around South Germany, visiting the different locations uh, where the film was shot. And I was wondering what that experience was like riding around in a car with him for that long. And then what was it like trying to get to the different locations? Cause some of the locations seemed to be pretty rural and out of the way and other ones were very populated. And did you guys have any challenges trying to access some of those locations?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, uh, personally, I find it a bit difficult to to even speak with you know the uh, my neighbors or the mailmeners. So so just to meet someone new, it's always a a, a challenge, uh, I I guess. And then to even have to sit with this person, uh, I mean, from uh, from the morning to to the to the late evening, uh, four days in a row, it's uh, it's, uh, it's it could be pretty hard. Um, but um, uh, it wasn't. I, we had a nice. We had a good time. I, I think um, uh, you can always have something. Um, when you have a sh- when you're sharing interests, um, you can always have some something to speak about. And uh, uh, he has such a great stories to tell, uh, which I, I don't think they're included in the um, in the documentary. But he it, he it, it, it speaks a lot about you know his. His work with David Hess, and uh, he's he's been filming a lot with with uh, Just Franco, uh, and and he told me, uh, I mean, uh, amazing stories about his his work as a filmmaker. Um, regarding the the places, uh, yeah, we traveled. I mean, we sat in that car for hours and hours every day, and um, I remember the the first. The first day, we went to this uh, this virgin um, uh, virgin stones or something, uh, large mountain, um, which was really really steep. I think you can see it in the in the film. Um, and I had my um, my sh- my shoes that weren't hiking friendly, and and I mean the uh, it was so steep uh, that you you nearly rolled down the hill um, trying to climb down um, but otherwise I mean it, it was a lot of walking but never any um, any difficulties when it came to that um, but it's uh, it's uh, you get to um, it would have been impossible to do if 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 um, it would have been with a with a person that weren't nice easy to get along with uh but we we, um uh we did so uh. yeah
0: that's that's good i mean uh it is always awkward to be especially like if you go on road trips and someone brings their friend or something yeah uh, it's like you're getting to know each other along the journey so um in the documentary dora explains that the plot for melancholy drangle uh, was loosely based on like a real event or a real case that happened. Um, but he only mentions it kind of briefly. And I was wondering if during your time spent with him, if he kind of went into more details about what that case was and what, what parts of it were, uh, inspiring for melancholy or angle.
1: No, well, I, I tried to, to, um, I've looked for, uh, news clips and stuff like that from this incident, but I haven't found anything. And, uh, uh the only thing I said about it was basically the um the stuff that's in the uh, documentary um we did uh pass the the house where this incident supposedly had had happened um and i i think i shot a um, I, I took a photograph of it I, I think um so i have no idea what it is actually um something mysterious, but it's, um, no, I have no facts about it. Um, uh, so I don't know.
0: Yeah. Just, just for people who may not have seen your film, I think he says something about that a group of people gathered at a house and that three people went missing and, yeah. uh, they found, they found the remaining three people. And then they found the remains of some, some, maybe a child or something. And yeah. Uh, yeah, the bones were old. So it appeared that that multiple crimes had happened at that house over different periods mm. of time. So it was, it was really interesting. Uh, yeah, to it hear is. That. Um, in the documentary, you talk a little bit about um, Dora ending his professional relationship with the film's producer, Karsten Frank. Uh, and and you ask Dora what circumstances kind of led up to that separation, um, and Dora talks about it kind of briefly, but I I couldn't quite make out what he said, and so I was wondering if you could give us some more information about what Dora explained to you
1: about that situation. I think they they had a um, uh, uh, some sort of a clash uh, between opinions uh, whether they should keep uh, materials in the final cut or. Removed, And uh, um, um, my impression is that, uh, that the, these, uh, this material supposedly very sensitive material got destroyed by uh, Cash and Frank. Um, so it will never see the, the the light of day uh, ever, I guess. Um, but this might, I mean, you don't know if it's if it's true, I haven't spoken to 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 and so so um, but it's, it's a good story in a way. And the the um, to think about what it could have been as well. Uh, I think that's part of the the movie as well. Uh, Marion Doris movie that uh, there's another movie behind that movie that's so so interesting. Um, but it would be nice to, to talk with Cash and frank about this
0: yeah um
1: in in the documentary
0: dora references just kind of how um difficult the shoot and process was and that he lost a significant amount of weight shooting that film and um he he kind of uh would do deliberate things to manipulate his actors to to do certain scenes he was the only person that had access to the script and I was wondering um, what he shared with you about what was so challenging about making that film and the, and the interactions between everyone.
1: Well, I think it was when he, he kind of felt that he lost control over the uh, project. Um, um, my guess is that there were a lot of conflicts between him and and on and as well as the... Uh, what's he called um, uh one of the main actress, actors actors uh, in the film um, that also were some kind of problem on the set um, uh, due to to uh, uh, drugs and stuff like that um, otherwise I for me it's like it's, it's it was a situation that uh, went overboard and um uh, it, it, it went into a frenzy of some kind the the whole shoot um um so so my guess is that in the end no one really decided what would happen it all just happened everything uh so no one was in control in the ending i guess
0: Well, that's fascinating. I mean, that, that, I think that's kind of what makes the film stand out so much is it just kind of naturally took its course. Um, kind of an extension to that, uh, some of the locations that, that he showed you, um, one of them was in kind of like this yard that was really close to the street. And he said that there was a small amount of villagers who were like sitting and watching. And that scene included some pretty sexually explicit, uh yeah. stuff and yeah. do, you know, do you know if he ran into any legal trouble or anything like that um because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff was shot out in the public
1: no i don't think so it's i mean it, when you're there it's like uh it was really strange because it's, it's like a village uh from the um from ages ago uh and um i remember walking into that when we walked into that bar uh that the shoot has been uh in before when they shot the film uh-huh. um it was really it was like entering uh the thirties or something it's I've never felt so um out of my my nature uh as as them um it was um. It was like well, it, it felt old. Yeah. In that, I don't. I don't think the. I don't think the. As as Marianne says, I don't know if he says it in the movie, but um, uh, the the people uh, in those villages keep uh, keep their secrets for themselves. Uh, so I don't think if if uh, I don't think anyone said anything to anyone outside of that village, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's probably something that's just spoken around the yeah. community. Um was it the bar? There was there was one location in the film that that Dora explains um both had scenes from Melancholy Durangle, but also the castration scene in Cannibal. Was it that yeah. bar or was it a different location?
1: No, it's it's the same building. Oh. Uh, uh so it's uh, I think the Cannibal thing was in the um in the basement, like, I th- I think so. Um, the the thing is, when when I when I was there, it's like it's hard to to um, it's hard to think back about it and remember something that because um, uh, back then I was uh, it it was really uh, it was a, a mental challenge um, for me to be there actually. So it's. Uh, it's hard to um, uh, to think about what actually happened uh, during a shoot. Uh, I wish that I would have been uh, more, you know, f- more approachable uh, filming the, the place, uh, its interior. Uh, but um, I was so I was maybe a bit too respectful to towards the the place and to to Marion himself as well.
0: I mean I think it's still pretty fascinating to to fact the fact that you went in there and you've got a lot of exterior shots of of those locations yeah. so um especially like going into into the churches and the the different kind of like unique areas around around there was really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, what what I didn't think what I didn't know before was that his um he is such a um he really likes to be um to be filmed, uh, although he doesn't like to be filmed. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's like he it's, it was very thankful to, to work with in, in, in that aspect that he, he, he kind of sometimes posed in front of the camera because he knew that this was going to be a good shot and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it was really fun that way.
0: Yeah, I noticed that he he would he would like kind of direct you like, oh, uh, zoom in, <laughs> yeah. right, zoom in right here and I'll walk. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was kind of cool. Um, so one of the biggest, I think, controversies around Melancholy Durango is the, the scene with the cat. And there's a lot of kind of like back and forth within the horror community of whether that scene is real or not you've got um some people saying that it's fake you've got steven Byrow of unearthed films saying that it's real and i was wondering if you got any information from dora about that scene and and whether it's real or not
1: yeah uh yeah i imagine it and uh, i mean it doesn't really matter what it says because people come to think whatever they they think anyways mm-hmm. uh I, I think the the uh if you buy the whole thing that the whole shoot was a um spun out of control uh then you also buy that the cat died for real because i mean um at that point i guess the um the whole ensemble um um they didn't know what they were doing actually so um I, I mean, uh, what it told me is that the, uh, the cat died for real. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it makes for a good story. So it's, you don't know if it's true or not. Um, uh, uh, it all depends on whether you want to believe the, the stories or not.
0: Yeah. And, and my next question, I guess, is like, what is your take on Animal exploitation within extreme cinema, because I mean, I think Melancholy Durango is not an exception. Um, but you, you see, you see animal cruelty in films like Cannibal Holocaust, Necromantic, Vesta It's it's more common than I think people realize with extreme cinema. And mm. uh, I was just wondering what what your thought is on on that kind of content being in extreme films. Do you think it has artistic merit, or do you think that uh, do you have a different feeling about it?
1: Well, I I guess it it all depends on whether you like cats or not. And um uh, <laughs> I'm not that fond of them, so no. Uh <laughs> of, of course it's wrong, but it's wrong. Um but um I mean you can look at it in a lot of ways, I guess. Um Mariandora himself is I mean he he likes cats. He loves animals. Uh so to um to sacrifice a cat for for a film it, it makes the uh, the film into something more than the, just a film mm-hmm. um, uh, it's wrong about i i um, it's hard to imagine uh, uh, the film um being what it is without that scene uh, so it's um it's this i mean you you can't really answer that question. It's um, it's um, it's wrong, but it's um,
0: it works. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like that question is so relative from artist to artist, and yeah, some people will find it morally reprehensible, and some people will find it justified. And yeah. I just think it's interesting to hear uh, the different takes that people have on it because I mean, it is not only with an extreme similar cinema, it's prevalent within cinema in general even if you go back like if you look at the history of cinema um mm. it's just it's just kind of a common thing it's it's something that we <laughs> a lot of people don't like but it is a reality
1: so um so it's hard to it's hard to talk about because it's it's uh you um i mean if you um if you believe it's for real and you still like the film you're you're a um, a monster <laughs> and, and um in in some in some mice in ways uh, but still it's it's um, um there are so many ways of killing animals today. and and i mean uh, most of the killing is is uh, is done by by um uh companies that sells meat
0: yeah i i mean animal industry whatever yeah. it is is exploitative, um, mm. so, I mean, I feel like it's one of many evils of <laughs> humanity. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, but I
1: don't think that I don't think that he's going to use um, um, those kind of scenes uh, in, in future releases. Uh, I think that um, if if it's for real, uh, uh, I mean, he has he has some regrets about many things about, um, that movie, uh, the film. So, and and I think that is uh, one of his regrets.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely created a divide between people for sure. So, but I mean, all his, all his, all of his art is very, uh, divisive and, Mm. and, and challenging. And I feel like that's kind of why people gravitate towards extreme cinema is to be challenged. So, yeah, um there's a part in the documentary where uh you guys kind of talk about despite the the issues between Dora and the producer the film eventually did get released but over 30 minutes of extreme content was cut from the film and near the end of the documentary you ask Dora um if we'll ever see a full cut of the film and he kind of says unlikely that that would happen but uh recently PCM put out a Blu-ray of what they are marketing as the extended cut of the film. And it contains your documentary as a special feature as well. And I was wondering if you knew if this version that's out right now is the complete version that Dora talks about in your documentary, or if the world still hasn't seen the, the full version of
1: Melancholy Dringle. Well, uh, I don't think, it, I, I mean, I wanted. To, I don't want to believe the the stories about the destroyed materials and stuff like that. So, so I don't think it's the the full version. Uh, uh, perhaps it, it will never uh, be released uh, uh, because of its the the original materials does does not exist. But um, uh, and I I have no idea what kind of version PCM has released I haven't seen it yet so I, I don't know uh, what scenes um, that are included in it uh, um, so I, I have no idea
0: yeah I mean I think I think what you mentioned earlier about the a lot of materials being destroyed I think that we'll likely never see the the full version that Dora had in his mind and even in the documentary he talks about that you're only really going to reach forty percent of what you really feel is going to be, <laughs> anyway, yeah. <so.
1: laughs> and I mean, it's it's a it's a good it's a good story as well. You, you know, do we even want to see this this full work version, or do we want to continue um, fantasizing about it and talking about it instead? Uh, I don't know which I prefer.
0: Yeah, sometimes the legacy behind a film is is yeah. almost better than the film itself. It's, it just it helps build build it up so much more. <laughs> um, so I think one of the things that's so great about revisiting Melancholy Durangle is that you give us a small glimpse into Mariandora's world and who who he is as a person. Um, and he's definitely a very private person, but he's also an extremely unique person. One thing that really stood out to me is the fact that he said that he doesn't personally um personally enjoy music that to him music is incomplete and it only really has a purpose when it's uh incorporated with cinematography and um and so because you have the unique opportunity to have actually sat down and and got got to know him better as a person um, I obviously want to respect his privacy and I don't want you to say anything that he wouldn't share himself, but I was wondering if you could give us a little insight of who Mari and Dora is as a, as a person.
1: Um, well, it's really, um, uh, it's really, uh, easy to speak with, um, and really respectful, uh, in every way, um. It's. Um, I mean, after a few days or after the first day, it was like uh, speaking to, to to an old friend, actually. Um, and of course, it was mainly conversations about about films, um, but also about you know, uh, life, life and death. Um, and um many of the i mean many of the scenes uh from our trip uh weren't even filmed was, the best the best scenes uh um or the best moments uh, were from you know ha- having an ice cream uh, or just sitting in in a nightclub uh uh listening to to, to uh, bad music and drink beers uh or visiting some 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 uh, some phony uh, uh greek restaurant uh, eating tzatziki uh, it, it was very strange because it was like um uh it was uh, one of my uh, well uh, idols someone you looked up to uh and to get to um um, to sit down and just, you know, uh, speak to someone like that was, um, um, it was an experience.
0: Definitely. Uh, do, is there any particular films that you remember Doria's, Dora saying that he was a fan of?
1: Well, he, he was mainly into, you know, um, 70s, 80s, um, uh, uh I mean Gore movies, Fulch's movies, um uh, I remember him like in Boogeyman alone. Um a lot of movies with David Hess, um uh, Last House on the Left or um stuff stuff like that. That um uh, classics.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You really you really got a really uh awesome opportunity to spend that time with him. Um so I guess one of my last questions is now that you have spent so much time with him as a person and not only that, but have physically gone to the locations where Melancholy Durango was shot, how has that experience impacted how you see the film now? Um, how, how was it when you first saw Melancholy Durango and now after your experience, what's it like to watch the film? Well, it's like
1: um, when I first, Saw the film that was many years ago. Uh, it, it it was it is so strange to look at, and and it's it's like uh, it's both exciting and pretentious, and 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 beautiful and uh, disgusting at the same time. Um, but uh, the first time, it's 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 more of, it's it's like looking at looking at a nightmare or being inside of a of a dream of some kind. Uh, but when you when you actually uh, go to those places, uh, the 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 dream uh, becomes more of a uh, reality, and and uh, uh, you start to look at the film in a more uh, technical way, I guess, and you see all these. Uh, um, you can see that it's made by a not not just a a mad director, but a a. Um, Director, which um, uh, has a, a technical quality uh, on his side as well as a as a um, sensitive side. I mean, he can he can uh, frame a picture. Uh, it's not it's not just shooting something. It's um, so that was that is maybe the main thing that. Uh, that has changed for me, I guess uh, uh I have more respect for the film and him as a director
0: and uh I think my last my last comment is, do you have any projects that you're currently working on or any projects that you've completed that you'd like to discuss that we haven't mentioned uh, before we come to an end
1: well I'm working on i um on a new book uh something in the, in the same ways as as my old books. So it's uh uh I've done some interviews and um it's more uh it's more uh, sex oriented this time uh but with the uh, uh with some you know horror horror elements into it as well but I don't know when it's going to be finished it's a year or two or something i guess <laughs>
0: And, and your previous books, uh, True True Horror One and Two, where could people get those?
1: Uh, unfortunately, they're they're all in Swedish, so so it's uh, it's hard to read if you if you don't know the language. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you can you can always PM me or email me or something. Okay. Well, that's cool.
0: Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I think you had offered a lot of really interesting insight. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, uh,
1: you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club. If you're interested in checking out Magnus Blumdahl's work, you can order his documentary, Revisiting Melancholy Durangle, through Black Lava Entertainment. Or, you could watch it as a special feature on the PCM Blu-ray release of Melancholy Durangle, which is available exclusively through Diabolic DVD. If you would like to check out his collaboration with Renee Weisner's Pulp Films, you can order that DVD through Putrid Productions. And if you like this podcast and are interested in checking out some of the other work that I'm doing, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cinema's Underbelly, where I analyze and review obscure, obscene, and controversial cinema. Until next time. This is the uneasy terrain explorers clip.